0: It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott.
1: Welcome back, movie lovers, for another uh, little bonus episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Uh, on our Facebook page, we've been getting some questions from different people, and uh, we try to answer them because you know it's kind of fun to have that back and forth. It's fun to you know discuss different things, and not always kind of uh, go down the AFI Top 100. Um, and the question that we received recently uh, was concerning. Uh, It's no secret that I'm a big comic book fan. And the question that was asked was, you know, what do you think there's any comic books out there that need to be adapted into movies? Like, what comic books exist that need to be movies? Um, And so I thought we could have a conversation here. Uh, Since I'm the only one, really, uh, of the podcast that really consumes comic books uh, I thought I would, I would discuss some comic books but then also open it up to a broader conversation about other things that exist other movies uh, that should be made based on other books or video games or TV shows anything like that Because um, it's, it's a fun thing to do because we kind of look at ourselves as uh, film school without the tuition and I don't know if there's a, a more prevalent conversation that we ever had in film school than uh, the movies that they should be making
0: yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we've both we've both put kind of to get together. I don't know this is kind of our maybe our dream list a little yeah. bit. Like <laughs> like if we could ever be involved with some of these, that would also not suck too much. Right. Um, but I mean, no, I think these are all properties that that we think that somehow need to be exploited into film somehow. Um, Absolutely. So. How do you want to get into this, Scott? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump right in with
1: two with two products or two comic books that I—they're uh, prime for uh, for movie or for television. That's kind of the cool thing about comic books right now, especially if you're a Marvel property. Is that Marvel has this new uh, show coming out this fall called Shield, which is going to be about the, that secret organization that kind of put together the Avengers. And what's really neat to me about Shield is that not only is it going to be headed up by Coulson, which is everybody's favorite secret agent, um, but also they are in a very unique position where I feel like they could really explore the Marvel Universe and explore some smaller properties and introduce them in a way that could either spin off into their own TV shows or could spin off into their own movies. And I think that's super cool. So two characters or two groups of characters that I think would be great, almost more for television than movies, but they could both... They could work in both mediums. The first one is Cloak and Dagger, which is... Uh, I don't know how many people know about Cloak and Dagger. I feel like they're kind of a smaller, lesser-known superhero uh, team. Um, there's this young uh, blonde girl and this uh, African-American teenager. They're both runaways. They discover each other, and they're, they have kind of a horrific origin story, but they become this duo, Cloak and Dagger. She is Dagger. She throws these beams of light and... Um, he is cloak, and he has this big encompassing cloak that kind of is like this also this portal to this um, darkness, basically, where he can consume a person if need be. But also, they're able to transport themselves to other places. And it was they always kind of used the two characters to explore teenage problems and angst and issues, while also going. You know, they would they were introduced in a Spider-Man book, and so there was a lot of fun always attached to the characters as well. Um, and I think them and also the runaways which was a group of group of teenagers um man they the runaways need to be a tv show in the worst way it's such a easy property in my opinion to convert into a television show because it's about a group of teenagers living in the marvel universe that live out in la um and they discover one night that their parents are all super villains and so they run away (laughs) (laughs) that is the that is like the conceit of the entire book and um And it's one of those things where it's the same. It's they use the same kind of tropes in the same way as like uh, Joss Whedon used when he wrote Buffy, where he would take um, a trope of a character, a trope of a genre, and then explore that and look at it in a way that would help explore the teenage years, or what it's like to be in college, or what it's like to have your first boyfriend or your first whatever experience. And they uh, Runaways uses all those comic book tropes to explore life as a teenager, and why your parents just don't understand you, and why you guys never get along. In this case, they are super villains, (laughs) and they are constantly at war with everybody. So these kids run away, and some of them start developing their own superpowers. But the book was about them just going from place to place, always running away, always trying to stay off the radar of these bigger events. Occasionally running into people like Spider-Man or Iron Man, but to me... Probably even before Cloak and Dagger, I would say S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to run into these kids on the street somewhere, tell their story. And I would make, since it's about teenagers, I would make it a television show as opposed to a movie because then you could tell more stories more quickly and you could have a three or four year run and tell three or four years worth of story, as opposed to a, a movie franchise where there's two, or there's at least two or three years in between each film and you have your teenagers rapidly becoming adults in between each movie. Um, so runaways, I mean, honestly, and both of these runaways have ha- have had like an on again, off again, comic book series. If you can find them, I would highly recommend them, especially the early run written by Brian K Vaughn. Um, fantastic. And Joss Whedon comes in for a story arc and writes it, and it's just a terrifically fun book about being a teenager in a world full of superheroes and supervillains. It's, nice.
0: it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, what do you um, got? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've got a kind of a grouping of stuff that... Kind of already, there have there have been versions of these that already have been made badly, mm-hmm. or or maybe <laughs> not a, even maybe not even badly, yeah, but uh, not correctly in my eyes. Let's yeah. put it that way. Um, so I thought I'd just cover a couple of those. Um, uh, kind of one of the big ones that jumps out at me, like just right off the bat, is uh, Dune. Um, I know there have been a couple of of tries at this. You know, there was the uh, the Sting. Uh, right. Version, and then there was like a TV version here a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I just I don't feel anybody has ever captured what the book is really about in a way that actually works. Um, and uh, to me, it's 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 just it is ready for a real epic. Like it, it needs it basically, it needs to be Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. you know style kind of film i mean like that's that's where i see it kind of going to something like huge and epic and um you know really it needs the budgeting and the just the scope um i think the technology is there to do it finally i think the i don't know somebody who just just needs to have the right vision to tell it um that that would be it's 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 necessary and needs to happen soon i'm sure it will (laughs) um Another one for me, uh, Starship Troopers. I mean, I know, I know that the uh, the movie that came out in the the '90s has a fair amount of love behind it at this point. It's it's gained a pretty significant cult following. Yeah, and and I don't I don't hate the movie. However, it is not a movie of the book. It is a movie specifically that sets out to do its own yeah. kind of thing. And that's okay, but the book is really 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 rich source material that is all about what it means to be in the army and or mm-hmm. in the military and it's it has um you know, powered suits of armor and all kinds of really cool stuff in it that um they completely walked away from for the movie. Um and I really think that that is a film, despite there being you know all these sequels to it and that animated TV show that right. was on for a while, which actually the animated TV show was actually closer to the book in, in some ways than the movies were. Um, I think that is something that really could use a relook at the source material and just starting, mm-hmm. starting fresh and doing something really cool with it. Um, you know, another thing, there's another uh, book that got... Um, It got the Disney treatment in kind of, I think, in the 70s. It has Roddy McDowell in it, of all people. (laughs) Um, There's a book called By the Great Horn Spoon. um, I do not know this book. Which is, it's an amazing kid's book. It's set during the California Gold Rush, uh, 1849. Mm -hmm. um, And is uh, basically the journey of this this kid. He's probably like a 12-year-old kid um, and his butler. They travel (laughs) from... Uh, new england to california by steamship and then once they are there they like try to go make their fortune because basically the family has run out of fortune back in new england um in boston or wherever they were um and it is it's funny it is heartwarming it's it's like it's like everything that a kids movie should be like it's not a kids movie it should be like a good family movie in like the best possible sense of the term um and there was a horrible atrocity that disney did um <laughs> called the great Bulwick griffin or something like that which okay. basically takes like two chapters of the book and makes a movie out of those two chapters and it's it's a horrible horrible adaptation um Completely, completely wrong, um, <laughs> and so that is something that um, you know. It's it, 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 it also needs to happen. That would be a great, mm-hmm. I think, a great film that a lot of people could really enjoy. So uh, there, there's some just right off the top.
1: Yeah, a uh, couple. I want to touch on a couple more comic books real quick, and then I'm gonna. I have some uh, proper novels, and some yeah. some book books that I'd also like to talk about. Ah, uh, book books. Um, I think it's kind of awful that we have all these superhero films and all these superhero characters and we really don't have any uh, female superheroes that we're putting, agree. that we're looking up to. Um, I think that really does a disservice to all of our daughters and sisters and mothers everywhere. Um, people who I look up to and want and I want I want characters that the next generation can look up to as well because I, when I look at a TV show like Buffy it really, it helped me in my development of appreciation of women, <laughs> where it helped me really kind of crystallize this idea that girls aren't just something to be fought for and fought over, that they can also fight their own fights. And they're their own people, actually, strangely enough. <laughs> and I've known this, I and mean, I grew up with, you know, a wonderful mother who I recognized very early on, had a, you know, had a lot going for her. And I, I have a very strong um a uh, very, uh, strong willed w- woman of a wife who has all her opinions and everything. And I love her dearly. And I don't see that in a lot of movies today. And it's just like, you get a lot of women being relegated to damsels in distress. And so there are two characters. One's relatively new. And one is as old as Batman that they both need their own, but they both need a movie. One is wonder woman, which I do not know how that movie has not been made yet. Um, I have this fear that DC only knows how to tell Batman's movies, or they only know how to make those movies. My fingers are crossed. In two weeks, we're gonna get Man of Steel, but why we've, why it seems like the past twenty years, it's only been Batman movies, kind of worries me. Um, but Wonder Woman is a fantastic character that you would need to. There is, I do feel like there is a slight. Uh, Barrier, maybe with her costume and the way some of her origin story is handled in different comic books, but I do not feel that that is a barrier you cannot cross considering all the other ridiculous costumes we've had to address and adapt and make cinematic. I think there's a way to do it. Um, The current run of wonder woman right now really has been fascinating. I know it's been very contentious amongst other, some comic book readers, um, but wonder woman, because she's always had this very Greek mythological origin, the past 20 issues have been dealing her dealing with basically the Greek pantheon. And it's been fascinating Like the way they, the way the writer Brian Azzarello has approached the different gods and goddesses and how they're affecting the earthlings and everything. It's just, it's fascinating. And it's like, if you can make a a convincing Thor movie, you can do it with wonder woman. And it would be, it could be a whole heck of a lot of fun. The movie though, that actually would get me more excited than wonder woman is captain Marvel. Um, there has been this this character has existed for a long time in the marvel universe as miss marvel but recently she kind of took on the the mantle of captain marvel and she is this former air force pilot carol danvers and she gains these abilities to fly on her own and as she becomes a superhero and she's part of the avengers team so it's possible they'll use her in future avengers titles or films um But she is a fantastic character, and Kelly Sue DeConnick, who has been writing uh, this current run, has really just created a fascinating, multi-layered character that is both relatable and somebody to look up to, and being a very strong and positive female uh, role model, and all while having a lot of terrific fun. In this universe, flying around, getting into adventures, and she's got one of the best costumes. It's really simple and it's really bold. It's like it almost is very reminiscent of the Superman costume, and it's like there's no reason why this character shouldn't have her own movie, her own movie series. Um, I would cast a Katie Sackoff in the role, and it would be fantastic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I mean on that on that note, or on my previous note, I guess a couple of other properties that have been done but could really use some some new work um i think king arthur and robin hood are both characters that have not been treated well in recent films i I don't know that king arthur has had a really great film really ever excalibur See to me. Here's the thing with Excalibur. <laughs> Excal- Excalibur. I really like that it tries to be the the Mallory version of King Arthur. Right. I love that, and it embraces all of the magic and mysticism and mm-hmm. ladies in the lake and stuff. It was just made at a point with a budget that doesn't work whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but like, I I don't feel like the story is wrong in that movie. I, it's it's just more the execution. Of that film, I think now more than ever, with the success and love
1: of Game of Thrones, is the perfect. I think I think King of Arthur would be the perfect property for someone to introduce. Whether it's an HBO ongoing or mm-hmm. it's uh, a movie, it seems like hey, if you guys like Game of Thrones, you're going to love King Arthur. It's mm-hmm. the same
0: stuff. And 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 to me, like basically, it, it feels like since. I don't know, since the nineties, with with both Robin Hood and King Arthur, everything we have done has been kind of these let's make it gritty, let's make it Braveheart, let's make it real, right. let's make it and and while I don't dislike that kind of thing, I think I think I am ready. I think the world might be ready for King Arthur and Robin Hood to both come back in like all of the chivalry and pageantry and yes. technicolor goodness that I think everybody kind of associates with those characters, um, you know, traditionally. And I, I think it's time for that set of characters I'm, to
1: return. I'm super over the gritty, realistic approach to fantasy characters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm like, let's no, let's let's get back to it. Let's see Excalibur. Let's see the sword and the stone. Let's see the lady in the lake. Those things are awesome, and that's why I like this book. It's not because, did this really happen? Was there a King Arthur? There wasn't. Let's just, let's just do this
0: cool fantasy story. Exactly, um, in in that same regard, as far as fantasy goes, um, there is a well. There's a ton of them now, but there's a series of books um, by Raymond Feist, um, the the Crondor series of books. Um, there's several different arcs to it and stuff. Now, um, the the first book is called Magician, um, and it's actually been sp- split into two: Magician Apprentice and Ma- Magician Master. And then there's several sequels to it um, that create this entire war series, and then there's secondary series, and whatever they've written. Anyhow, it's it's really, really great um, kind of high-fantasy adventure kind Mm -hmm. of books. And, again, with the success of Lord of the Rings, and with Game of Thrones, like, I think this would make... It's different enough from both of those mm-hmm. to have some really fun kind of adventures in that world. It's a really developed world, so you could do the really big television thing with it. Mm-hmm. But it's not so dense that you have a lot of stuff that you get in other fantasy series where it just bogs down in details and having to keep track of stuff. And um, I, I think it could be some really fun adventure fantasy that hasn't really been done yet. It, it in some ways, it brings in just a little bit of sci-fi in a couple of places. It's, but still kind of in a fantasy sort of way. It's, um, mm-hmm. I think. I think those are books that would make some great television or movie work.
1: So, so my understanding is Disney really wants a new Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, or I should rephrase that: a franchise to be the next Pirates of the Caribbean. I have it for them. I've had it for them for the past (laughs) ten years. I even have a draft of the first installment of this trilogy. It's called *The Scarlet Pimpernel*. Um, One of my uh, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, The book itself, written by uh, Baroness Orxsi, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Baroness Imuska Orxy, I think. um, It's actually this really romantic story about uh, Marguerite, this French um, actress who has who has married this. uh, this English nobleman and her marriage is falling apart and she doesn't understand why. And it's all takes place in England during the time of the French revolution. And the whole book is kind of written as this mystery of, we hear these stories about the Scarlet Pimpernel, who is freeing French aristocrats and freeing these innocent people on their way to the guillotine. And so the book is actually written as a mystery.
0: Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, here's your pitch to Disney. Les Mis meets Zorro. Exactly. And see, to me, that's almost the approach I would take. And the approach that when I wrote,
1: I it was my senior project, basically, for a screenwriting class. I wrote a big, proper uh, adaptation of the book as a screenplay. And this, my approach to it basically was um, doing the Batman Begins version of Scarlet Pimpernel, where we're doing an origin story as to, because the reveal of the book, which I didn't realize was a mystery, because I already knew the whole story before I ever read the book, but The reveal is, of course, that her husband, Percy, is the Scarlet Pimpernel. And he has, and it's, this book is the original dual identity story. It's the original kind of superhero story um, in which he becomes this character, uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel, who isn't, he doesn't have a costume. He just, that's how he signs his letters basically and he always goes into different disguises to kind of sneak into france um but he's not like the the scarlet pumpernickel which is a daffy ducks
0: (laughs) daffy duck take on the character yeah
1: um he's not zorro in that he has a big costume right but it's a big it does have that same big swashbuckling potential Mm -hmm. and that's the approach i would take to it which is telling the story of why this person why percy becomes the Scarlet Pimpernel it's actually very it's the same approach the Broadway musical took when they adapted the Scarlet Pimpernel which is a fantastic musical if you ever get the chance to listen to that soundtrack but um it's just terrific fun and uh it could be a big swashbuckling adventure and there was a whole series of books in which um Percy and Marguerite go on these different adventures with the League of the Pimpernel and they help different people all over the world but that first one set in France against the French revolution saving people who do not deserve to be executed um while you have this character and the the way he hides himself is so it's so fantastic and fun and just silly because he doesn't have a disguise when he's the Pimpernel. I mean he has a, he has disguises but he's not in a, a, a costume but when he comes back home to England he knows I have to pretend to be somebody different because Fr- the French officials are getting wise to this character and they they are starting to believe he may be English. So he basically degrades himself. He makes his real self, Percy, this really um larger than life, uh kind of coward. Yeah, cowardly character who's just obsessed with fashion and obsessed with all of these really kind of weak kind of things, almost feminine type character. And it's hilarious. And like that because he goes that way, no one will ever think i could be this daring heroic character i'm scared of the mouse in the cloth you know whatever Mm -hmm. um oh it could be so much fun and you could you could launch a whole trilogy of the scarlet pimpernel and i would be there opening day every single week that a new one of those comes out Um, (sighs) i don't disagree i I, honestly it it befuddles me that nobody is making that movie today i yeah and there have been other adaptations which haven't been terrible they just don't capture the adventure i think that is inherent to that story there was a decent one with ian mcclellan and um
0: dr quinn I forget her name oh uh, uh jane seymour yeah
1: and then back in the late 90s early 2000s there was a i think it was by the bbc there was a miniseries um with richard grant as percy which wasn't bad they, they really tried to take like a more gritty realistic approach to the whole story um which angered some pimpernel fans because they kill off certain characters that never died but it was decent but i still think i think now's a great time to launch this new series that could be big swashbuckling fun in the vein of pirates of the caribbean um but yeah with zoro and lame is all thrown in there as well Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Get to a it, people. Robin Hood for extra. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's, it, all that stuff is there, which is what makes it so fun. And you, it would still be a very legitimate adaptation while being something completely different from the book.
0: I agree. Completely agree. Um, let's see. Uh, just a couple more here off my list. Um, I mean, we all know that the, the Ender's Game movie is yes. coming. Finally. Um, finally uh that's been on my list forever so i I, that's just that's brilliant um hopefully
1: you know you literally did talk about in film school all those years ago
0: (laughs) yeah like ender's game has been my number one like let's get this movie made kind of movie
1: my only Um, question about it while we're talking about ender's game is i don't know if they could i don't know if they'll actually make this a series like ender's game is a great one-off movie and great mm -hmm. one-off story and i love all the books I don't know but how
0: it, you make speaker of the dead. <laughs> no, I mean Speaker of the Dead is such a different movie. I mean all, all especially the books that follow Inder, yeah, after after Inder's game are all such philosophical, not that Ender's Game wasn't philosophical, but like, I mean, like, but high, highbrow philosophical by the, you know, yeah, by Speaker for the Dead. The series takes a sharp side.
1: Yeah, the series takes a sharp right turn into like people sitting around talking about things. Mm-hmm. And it, it does get, especially by the end of that second book, Speaker of the Dead, it gets super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love them all, but. If they're going to make a series out of this, if like if they want Ender's Game to become Ender's Game Two, they're going to have to follow the Bean books, I think. I was going to say, I
0: think the Bean books, following the War on Earth, that kind of thing. I think that's just yeah. the more filmable. You just won't story. have
1: Ender in it, so I guess it comes down to how well Bean comes off in this. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I'll be interested to see what happens mm-hmm. at, with this movie and, and after this. And,
0: you movie. know, and I, and I, I still have my doubts about the movie. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sold on it yet. I'm willing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to. Be amazed by it. Yeah. Know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but at the same time, like I know they've aged the kids up, you know, significantly. To me, this movie was always one. You know, like Robert Zemeckis has been doing that mo- motion capture stuff with Polar Express and right. uh, Christmas Carol and Beowulf and, and all of that. Like, this is almost that movie to me that actually should have been done with that technology, mm-hmm. because then you could have captured a 12-year-old who can really perform, but then put them into a three-year-old's body. Right. Or, you know, something like that. I, I don't know. So, I have I have my worries about it, that it's going to really be a different experience. But at the same time, they've, it could be wonderful. Yeah, and they so
1: have, I know that was always one of Orson Scott Card's sticking points as to why it hasn't been adapted, because mm-hmm. they've wanted to adapt it for decades, but he has always wanted to make sure that Ender and the whole cast is very young, because that's part yeah. of the story, is they trust the military they trust these people they trust the adults around them and if you get them too old you immediately run into teenagers who don't trust anybody and who think the whole world's against them and i do they have aged them up a little bit but i think they've from the little bits i've seen i do feel like they're not too old that it won't be believable i don't know I, i'm my fingers are crossed and i'm hopeful um, Kelly and I watched the trailer like three or four times in a row when, yeah. they, when they released it.
0: I mean, it's it's got a lot of good stuff in it, and I think Harrison Ford is great casting as Colonel Graff. Yeah. So I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah. But at the same time, who knows? We'll see how that goes. So that may be one that still in the future might need a good remake. Uh, hard to say. Um, another one that I was going to say is uh, Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a fairly recent book that's come out. Um, but my goodness, it's it is it's like it's almost written to be filmed, um, mm-hmm. and it has so much gaming culture reference in it, you know, from from the very first arcade games through current culture, mm-hmm. and at the same time um, is a really kind of cool adventure story, um, you know, kind of set inside a virtual world. Um, I, I think that has a lot of potential to be a wonderful movie absolutely i'm I'm sure it's been optioned and is being made somewhere Uh, i don't know that but i hope it is
1: Mm -hmm. i agree um last comic book i'm going to mention here is a, a book called hawkeye he is the character everybody has enjoyed laughing at from the avengers because he's the one without any superpowers but runs into battle with a bow and arrow um I've always liked Hawkeye. He's he was one of my favorites back in the '90s when I first started reading comics. But this uh, recently, I think they're only like twelve or thirteen issues into this new run written by Matt Fraction. Um, His take on the character on this particular book is basically this is the story of Hawkeye when he's not being a superhero. So the majority of the book is basically Hawkeye Clint Barton um, hanging out at his apartment, getting you know it's like it's this really weird, really weird. Um, approach to a, a super—he's basically a superhero, but he doesn't have any superpowers. And it's like this kind of gritty, real-world look at like this is a guy who has to pay rent, and these things happen, and he gets into fights, and there's still all these things that happen. But it feels much more like like a 1970s movie. It feels like a The French Connection kind of an action film, and I think that could be a movie. I don't know if it, I don't know if you could make it a movie series, but I think it'd be a lot of fun to kind of especially since you have Jeremy Renner having played that role in the Avengers movie, um, seeing that he can handle action in both Avengers and in The Bourne Legacy. It's like you could do a kind of a completely special effectsless movie about this character who's like, this is what he is like when he's not fighting off aliens. This is him dealing with the Russian mob and protecting his landlady and dealing with this teenage girl. And, and it's... But... I don't know. Matt Fraction won me over like with the first issue. It's just it's fantastic. And I think it could almost be your superhero movie, Lauren. It's like, it could be the movie that you could just totally enjoy because it's, I, if they filmed it, like it needs to be filmed like on film, um, using all the styles of like, it almost seems like the, the way Ben Affleck filmed Argo is the way I would say they need to film. Um, <laughs> This Hawkeye movie, where like, like he really wanted to capture the essence of like the '70s, even in filmmaking. So when he shot Argo, he chopped this image in half and then stretched it, um, so they could really see the film grain on everything. And I would say yeah, that's what you would need to do with this: just make it like a kind of a retro '1970s action drama, and it could be a lot of fun. Um, there's two more things I really want to touch on. One is uh, World War Z, which is a movie that has already been adapted a it has already been adapted it's about to come out in theaters um but i recently <laughs> read an article and we a lot of us who read the book um, and saw the first couple of trailers went that doesn't look like world war z and uh mark no max brooks max max i believe it's max brooks who wrote the um who wrote the original book has already said um guys this looks like a good movie I'm going to tell you guys right now. The only th- the only similarity it has to my book is the title. They basically bought it so they could put the title on this movie. Um, he's you know it was an interesting article. Like he he wasn't dis- he was dismissive of it. He wasn't saying it's bad. You shouldn't watch it. He was just saying adjust your expectations. It's not my book. His book needs to be made. Um, and I would really recommend World War Z be made into a HBO miniseries. Like it doesn't <laughs> need to be an ongoing thing like Walking Dead. Um, but like six episodes. Yeah, or because World War Z, the book is really like this oral, um, chronology of this zombie apocalypse, basically. And every chapter is a different character's take. And so through these different characters, you see how it affects different aspects of our society. You see how it affects a military person who gets stranded over here. You see what, it, how it affects this, uh, these celebrities who are in like a real house like a big brother type of a house and they're all <laughs> there's zombies attacking them and you get to see this whole big world picture of the zombie apocalypse and it's fascinating and if anybody hasn't read the book I would highly recommend the audiobook version because each chapter is read by a different person. Like Ellen Alda's in there and Mark Hamill. All these really solid, amazing actors take on these different characters. And I think it could be a terrific HBO miniseries. series like it's it needs to happen. <laughs> you know, it, it could be the next thing they do instead of doing another band of brothers. But I would t- make it like that. Make it a six, make it a ten. I don't, I don't remember how many chapters there are, but make each episode a different character's story. Um, and they don't have to tie together. They don't have to all meet up in the last chapter. It could just be like, and here's another glimpse, and here's another glimpse. And I think it'd be terrific. And it needs to happen somewhere down the road. It probably won't happen anytime soon since World War Z, the movie, is about to come out. Which looks interesting in its own way. It's just not the book which was kind of awesome uh the last one i want to talk about with you lauren and if you want to add anything else after this we can but this this last one i really want to talk about is mass effect yeah which is a video game series we both thoroughly enjoyed um that is a video game that absolutely could be made into a into a movie a movie series and could be great
0: yeah you know, cause I, I think there's a couple of things going on with Mass Effect is that um, first off, it has a really, really rich world that has been created around it. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's already kind of a great backdrop, and there is an arc to the games mm-hmm. as well that you can you could follow pretty easily. For a movie if, yeah. if you wanted to go down that route, yeah, but you don't have to, you could actually tell a completely different story within the universe, exactly and have a wonderful movie it just it just depends on what you want to do that, that's with
1: personally it. that's the road I would take mm-hmm. because to me, one of the appeals of the of the of the of the game is that you get to really it's about you. Being shepherd and you'd making the choices for shepherd and there's there's several points throughout all three games and that's what the the games are built on how you treat people how you respond to things are you going to be a paragon are you going to be a good guy are you going to be renegade renegade like a bad kind of a guy you know either way you get the job done but it's just about how you do it so I almost feel like creating a shepherd character for the movie could be a misstep. As
0: far as mm-hmm. trying to embrace the people,
1: the fans of the video games who uh, would be showing up,
0: so because I, every every player has their own canon now of that story. Oh, what well, that story it's is different. For every person,
1: we, right, and not just on top of the decisions they made, but everybody gets to design their own shepherd, you know. So everybody knows in their head what shepherd is supposed to look like, and not just in their head. I can have you come over to my house right now. I go, that's shepherd. Mm-hmm. That's what Down she line. looks like,
0: mm-hmm. and I'd be like, no, mine, my male shepherd looks like this. Exactly. You know? So I would say take something else. You know, t- you can take another moment
1: in that history. You could still follow the whole Reaper trilogy if you wanted to, or you could do something completely different with all of these fantastic and interesting societies and characters, and you could create your own team of four or five main characters that go on their own mission, um, mm-hmm. that explore a different aspect of this universe, and man, why not? I mean, you, could even, you could put Seth Green in this if you wanted to, yeah. <laughs> as as Joker, and you could even include him in his a, a different new story, because he... For those who haven't played the games, Seth Green not only voices a character, but the character is clearly made Based to look on, just like him. Yeah, and so it's Seth Green is in this video game trilogy and um, plays a great character who he could totally play on screen as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for adaptation of this. I mean, I don't think it's the easiest adaptation that we've talked about. No, but I think there's a lot of options for how to do it. And it's not
1: the, it's not the easiest, nor the cheapest.
0: Nor the cheapest, yeah. But, um, I mean, the game set a really high bar, and I think I think it's something that a movie could have a really fun, exciting challenge to try to live up to.
1: Absolutely. You know, especially um, the video game developers have said, you know, there's going to be more Mass Effect games. Shepard's story is over, but there will be more Mass Effect games. So I would almost, in that spirit, do the same thing. Like, yeah, we're going to make a Mass Effect movie. We might not tell Shepard's story. Or maybe we will. Or maybe, you know... Because exactly.
0: Maybe it's Garrus's story, you know? Uh, yeah. Oh man,
1: Garrus. <laughs> yeah, I would watch that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? So and that's the thing. There's so many
1: there's so many interesting characters that they put into the games that you could you could take those characters and put them in a different context. Or again, you could do a straight adaptation and be like, "No, we're going to tell the Mass Effect 1 story, and we're going to do it in these within these parameters and streamline this part that part whatever." Less driving around in that six-wheel vehicle.
0: Oh, yes, that would not be <laughs> bad. Was it the Hammer? Whatever that the, thing was. The Mako was in the first Yeah, one. the Mako. The Hammerhead was the second. Oh, the, all right, yeah. the Hammer wasn't bad. The Mako was atrocious. Yes. <laughs> 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 Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, there, there's some ideas for you, uh, film yeah. studios who are listening. Um, uh, we have more. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: This is even our complete list of what we put together for this episode, but I think this is a good place to kind of wrap up the conversation. And I would like to turn this to you guys, listeners. What are some of your favorite books that haven't been made into movies? Or what are some of your favorite books that they really butchered the first time around? And if you... and I'm especially interested in those people that go, well, you know, I know they made Harry Potter already, but they missed the point. Here's how they need to make it. So if you have some of those ideas, that's really kind of what I'm even the most interested in. It's like mm-hmm. how what books, what movies, what songs, what video games, what plays? We didn't even touch on anything theatrical. In, no, man, any theater, I, mean, I
0: mean, there's that there's some there's so much
1: stuff. Wicked you guys. They need to make a Wicked movie. That would be the best. I recently found like this a Disney animator, like took one of the songs from Wicked and did like this animated storyboard as a pitch as to make Wicked the animated movie. And it was so good.
0: And they totally need to make a Wicked movie. But what, um, what I don't know is why they have not made Lion King the musical into a movie yet. Right? That-
1: <laughs> <laughs> the new movie based on the play, based on the movie, based on the book. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, wicked, wicked would be pretty wicked. I think. Yeah,
1: it, it's it's a tr- you know, and I, when I say wicked, I really mean the musical, not the book. Yeah.
0: No, um, no, exactly. Uh,
1: especially especially like, the animated mo- version makes me the most excited because that means you could get Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth to play these characters and just reprise
0: their original roles. Yeah, because oh, they are man. so
1: terrific uh, in the, in those roles, and but they're both too old to play high school kids. Yeah. You know, because the, the, the story starts off with them going to high school or college, and then they age throughout. So they could play the, the adult versions just fine. But when you get those early years, um, you would have to you have to almost have to dual cast it, which you could do. But if you have Christina Chenoweth and Adina Menzel's vocals, I mean, you, you want their vocals to the whole thing. Um, but so, anyway if you guys have any ideas of things that need to be made uh, I'd like to hear that you know post it find us on Facebook and uh, tell us there um, you can comment on our page at movies you love.com. We're, we've had several really interesting conversations uh, with people who uh, listen to the episodes and they're they're posting their own lists of things and uh, it's been a lot of fun you guys and I'm really happy that you guys are starting to come out of the woodwork a little bit more we've been trying to coax you out to have these conversations <laughs> um, and I like it that you guys are you're coming out and you're making your voice heard so let's uh, let's keep the conversation Going. Find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, find us on our website, moviesyoushouldlove.com.
0: Yep, we'll see you next time.
1: You've been listening to the Movies You Should
0: Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com.